When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 211 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Well, today we've only gone and got the notorious Billy Childish. And this episode is sort of related to last week's episode 210, which was Steve Lowe from L13. And if you're not aware, L13 is a sort of stable of four artists, among a lot of other things. But those four artists are Harry Adams, Billy Childish, Jimmy Courty and Jamie Reid. Well, I'd wanted to speak to L13 and that list of artists ever since I started the podcast. And I tried several times but never really got anywhere. But then, you know what it's like with persistence. So as I say, last week was Steve Lowe, who was the founder of L13 and one half of Harry Adams. Today we've got Billy Childish... Jimmy Courty has agreed, and we're just trying to sort out a date. And I'm currently exchanging emails with Jamie Reid and hoping for a positive outcome there. Back to Billy Childish. Billy invited me up to his studio, which is in the historic Chatham Dockyards, which, funnily enough, is where I met Steve Lowe from L13 as well, who happened to be there that day. And I'd heard so much about Billy, I was really quite nervous to meet him, you know, because I genuinely didn't know how he'd take me. Because I was well aware that he um, he speaks his mind and he definitely doesn't take forms gladly, that's for sure. In the early days, he was better known as a poet who had a well, very well documented relationship with Tracy Emin and then being one of the original members of the Stuckist movement, all of which obviously gets covered in this episode. His studio in the dockyard is fascinating. It's full to the brim of paintings, from large right up to very large. And I was lucky enough to turn up when he was working on a painting. And I can't remember the size um, which he stated at the time. But I think it was something like 6 by 10 feet. And when I arrived there was a sort of horizon line going through the middle of the canvas. And he was halfway through setting out the composition of a standing figure. Throughout the time I was there, which was maybe two and a half, three hours. He'd drawn that central figure, the foreground, the background. He'd done the underpainting and pretty much completed it by the time I left. He works at an astonishing pace of knots. No wonder the studio is full of canvases. It's great because as we're talking, you can hear the bristles sort of working the paint into the canvas. And because the canvas was so big, we couldn't really use microphones because I'd have had to have sort of stood behind him with the mic in front of him. So I just put the recording device on a stepladder just behind him as he worked. And sometimes he'd walk away to another part of the fairly large studio to tell me about something. 
and that being a little bit of a gamble because I wasn't sure whether the mics would pick it up or not. But luckily it did and just it added to the atmosphere, you know. But yeah, a great episode. He's honest, he's open, he's pretty much filterless. And yeah, all the makings of a great episode. So please, come and join me in the studio of Billy Childish. This is the funny thing as well, you see, because I sort of like slagged off a load of stuff, people presume that it means I think what I do is good, which is not the case. <laughs> you know, I just, I can only do what I can do, and I can't, I don't understand or why, what it's about. I just, I've got no choice. Well, as you may be able to imagine, mine, my, my technique, interview technique, even if it can be called that, is a lot looser than what you may be used to, that's for sure. Well, don't forget that this is something that is different in being in, um, like with Steve, he's played in groups. I've played in groups, I've played in punk rock group in 77, and I've played since, non-stop. And if you're in groups, your attitude to the world, and don't forget, we never signed contracts or went with anyone. We always stay completely independent. Um, our attitude to um, the world is far different from artists who are much more worried about what they do. Yeah. Where, uh, I mean, a lot of musicians are, but they're they are more relaxed generally. And because you work with other people, and of course, if you're in a group with a load of mates, so you may as well be in the army. <laughs> yeah. You're just taking the piss out of each other continually. Of course. So what happens is you've got either, you could say thick skin or you've woken up to the idea that maybe you're not as quite as great as you think. <laughs> either way. Either way. Either yeah. way. They both way. So where did the music start, Billy? The music? Yeah. Well, really, from when I was a kid, Um, my father brought home some Beatles and Kinks and some uh, Rolling Stones records and Bob Dylan records when I was three, three years old and I really liked it. And then next door neighbour, the girl who was next door a few years old and she was really into the music as well. And where was home then? Where in Kent? Waterslade. Waterslade Road, it's about three oh. miles from here. Oh, okay. And it's village um, on the edge of the countryside. But when I say village, we were right up. Uh, it, the village was down the way. We were on the Waterslade Road, the secondary modern schools next to us, and the council estates opposite. Yeah. So it'd been sin it turned into an overflow for London from. Yeah, in just the like where I was, yeah. yeah. And what, what was what did your dad do for a living? Well, my what my my grandfather's an able seaman. Yeah. And my nan's in service. But then my bro my dad's sister was into art a bit. Oh yeah. And John copied her, my dad. He was in, got into art a bit. He went into um, he managed to get into a drawing office and he did his national service and uh, my dad's a sort of um, Narcissistic sociopath <laughs> and real clumber, and he totally reinvented himself. Yeah, and then he ended up being when I was a kid, he became the art director at the Daily Mirror. Oh, wow! Then, he, start, then he started his own company, design company, in the mid 60s, doing sort of corporate, sort of like what would these days be sort of corporate identity things, logos yeah, yeah. and stuff before you can make a huge amount of money out of it. Oh, there you go. And then, um, and my mum was, you know, my mum was, my mum was, uh, till go like the fevers, but then when she got married, she was a uh, housewife. So did you, was there any art in the home? Yeah, my out? dad, Creativity. yes, a lot of it, because my dad painted, but his, his sister painted, and he wanted to be like his sister. She was in the jazz. And oh, nice. They were called mouldy figs, these uh, jazzers <laughs> in the 50s. Brilliant. And they, so this, my dad was sort of like interested in being a bit of a bohemian when he was younger, yeah. before he came in an ultra-conservative. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he, he, that. he left home when I was about um, six or seven. So um, you'd, would you describe yourself as an ultra-conservative? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm conservative by nature, Labour by politics. <laughs> okay. 
That's a good answer. I'm definitely conservative by nature, yeah. But, you know, in a proper sense, I think. Yeah. Of what it should mean. Yeah. I mean, I sort of like, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really into the, um, my, la- my, I've always voted Labour, and my Labour politics would be that you should try to equalise education as much as possible, give everyone a fair chance, and everyone have a fair crack of the whip, educational-wise. Yeah. I'm not much interested in the police in people's language or their, or their beliefs. No, so I find that, slight, I find that slightly uh, patronising and, yeah. and also just handing the enemy a pistol, you know. Yeah. I think there's, like, and I've, I've thought this right from the get-go, like uh, 30 or 40 years ago, I said they're just going to antagonise the right this yeah. lot and we're going to have, you know, see it's it coming. change the face of it, yeah. Yeah. Which definitely done that. Yeah. So... How would you explain what you would do to someone that doesn't know your work? I'd make pictures. Like, I, like when, with that art stuff we were just talking about, when I get talked to people about, like, if, if I'm being sarky, which half an hour, if I'm talking to the art people, I say, well, I'll leave the art to that lot, I make yeah. pictures. Yeah. Because yeah. I, pref- I prefer it, like, I'm actually an artistic type, but of course... I'm also considered, well, I, I, was, I was slated so much for being a painter by that sort of... Back then, yeah. By Trace and all that lot. Which they all paint now. Yeah, and I said to Trace at the time, I said, you will have to paint because it's all there is. Yeah. You're going to have to go back to it because that's what there is. But of course, you know, you spend 20 years not painting or 30 years not painting, you can't be surprised if you're not very good at it. Yeah. Because you just missed your apprenticeship. Well, she got in the RA off the back of her drawing, didn't she? Well, don't about that. I think, <laughs> I think that, like, the thing with Tracy and Damien on a serious level is that they are phenomena. Yeah. And people like phenomena. And that's fine, you know. But I think that, like, uh, you know, I mean, I know what drawing is, even if other people don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And people can think they know about stuff, and that's fine. I don't mind. So, how would you explain what you do to someone who isn't into art? I make pictures. It's still the same. Yeah, I make pictures that. You, I, if someone asks me, I meet a taxi driver, and he says, "What you? You're an artist. You got beret on." I said, "Yeah." He said, "What do you do that for?" I said, "Because I don't like people telling me what to do." Same as why well, you're a cabbie. Excellent. And then they, they say, "So, what do you do?" And I says. He says, what sort of rubbish do you do then, or whatever? I said, well, I make big pictures, generally, that you would recognise what they are. Yeah, nice. And I said, like, so I said, so, like, now, of course, I've got nothing, no problem with the abstract, but my point is, is that the abstract is already present, so it doesn't need to be amplified, because abstract's already there. Yeah. You know, because the abstract element of figurative painting is the bit I like. I don't tell the taxi driver that. <laughs> no, of course. Get out of the car! <laughs> and take your moralistic views with you. <laughs> Get out of the fucking car. And when they say to me, when they talk to me about gay marriage and they complain about that, I say, don't worry, mate, it's not compulsory. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, you won't have to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, mate. <clears throat> I'm just watching you draw here. What's the... Um, what or why the border? Well, there's a long story with that border thing. Goes goes right back to the Well, just for anyone that's listening, yeah. you've got maybe a inch to two inch yeah. border yeah, you've left on the canvas. Well, this this actually first came up because my older brother, who happens to be a painter and went to Slade, oh yeah, um, is four years older than me, and he was a star student at Royal and Slade, whereas I was expelled from some art. So it's not <laughs> yes. And he was a grammar school the boy, and I'm a secondary school. Yeah, I'll be at 16. So it's got this different sort of approach to things. But Nick used to put a border on his paintings. Oh, and yeah. I presume he might have borrowed it off of um, some of those futurists or whatever. Now, I did see a wooden border put around something by Kurt Schwitter. I'm a massive fan of Kurt Schwitter. And that partially went off. But what happened was, it's a painting on cheap hardboard, and you haven't got a frame. So we're making a, making a back for the uh, pictures, there's some of them yeah, like, over yeah. the way there. 
and uh, I'll show you some of the really early bits. And so then you've not got a frame, so why not paint a frame? Yeah. So that, I figured then, that's where it's going to go. And then when I got to this stage, we also found that like once you've got large canvases, it's also very easy yeah, to move yeah, them around because yeah. you haven't got wet wet face yeah. on the paint. So we could we were putting brackets into stacking because yeah. I paint a lot. Yeah. So sometimes this studio is just empty because we just put that shop in there. <laughs> just empty. You've got about four hundred fucking canvases. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just we just took a huge like, wow. for a show in New York and they were out there. Yeah. And then you want to stack them, and you can put buffers between. You see on those corners, yeah. and also it sort of like it just became a thing that a thing we did. Interestingly, like um, when you mentioned Trace, Trace's early work um, did it as well because you put it off. Oh, okay, there and you it go. comes from my brother Nick, yeah. as far as I know. But either way, it's, it, it works visually and practically. Yes, and, and it's sort of like I don't know if I. Trace used to say to me, what would they be like without the borders? And I'd say, very much the same, but without the borders. <laughs> yeah, just and, and, and just the, four inches wider. And the, the other thing is, is I, I also think it's sort of, I'll, dis, I'll make the decision yeah. where the edge of this is. Yeah. And being a control freak, I think it might come, that's what I, because they're pitched, they're windows, aren't they, into yeah, a yeah. green world. And then, you know, nice type of frame, range of pictures. Yeah, of course. And if anyone was to frame it, it's not... It's not intruding onto the paint itself. Yeah, what you'd have to do is box them like that. Yeah. Good in box trays. Like a tray like frame, yeah. Yeah, but very nice. Oh yeah, tray, that's right. Yeah, they, I think they could look quite quite good. If you were if you were inclined to go that way. So when did you realise that you wanted to be an artist, do you think? Primarily about sort of like seven or eight. Wow. Okay. I was really into Van Gogh. And we had book, uh, yeah, you saying we had we had Van Gogh picture uh, print up at home, and we had art books because my dad liked art yeah. and my mum liked art. So we were also sort of like we weren't really literary family, but because my brother was a grammar school boy, we my, my parents had books, but my father didn't really. My father was still a Bulgarian, really. Young okay. Boy. But my brother Nick, being at grammar school, and he was interested in some poetry and brought some books home. And although I couldn't read and write till I was about 14, I saw my big brother was a massive influence on my taste in things like yeah. towards, like because I was looking at Bacon and Edward when I was 10. Yeah, wow. And then, uh, and so I also got that out of my system early. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't hit that until I was 26 when, yeah. when I got introduced to it. Which with me, with me, so like I said, like, you know, I sort of like. It's the same as with the music, what happened was, is like once I got into the punk rock thing in 76, I just sort of like, 77, 76, 77, we just started, after that, I didn't like where anything went, and I just went backwards into yeah, yeah, the yeah, swamp. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is where, every, that's where you find all your friends and the true artists back in the, back in the swamp, because yeah. they've all been there, they've all done it, and they've all been at battle, <laughs> all been at battle with the wankers. Yeah. So when did the, when did the poetry hit, before or after the visual? Uh, definitely after because I couldn't read and write, but I was uh, I used to I used to write stuff anyway, very dyslexic. And they said I had very good mind for story making, yeah. so I used to write little stories and things, creative stuff at school. And then in '77, when punk rock came around, I wanted to do a fanzine, and I started putting some poetry in, and I and I, and I got asked to sing the group, so I started writing. Um, and and natural I, yeah, yeah, and I really liked um, nursery rhymes and dark nursery rhymes yeah. and, all, and Lewis Carroll and these things. And, I, and what, the simplicity of the rhyme. Yeah, and also the dark, the darkness yeah. of it. And then when I went to, um, I because take it back a bit. When I was, I left school when I was sixteen. Worked in the dockyard. I applied to art school. Wasn't allowed to have my work seen for no qualifications. Yeah. And then I worked in this dockyard. <coughs> In, as an in here, camp. where we are now. Yeah, when it was a rock dockyard. Yeah, which was when both my grandparents were as well. And then um, I then um, made lots of drawings in the tea huts, and I took all them up because my brother was at Slate, so I used to go up to London on on block release at the Building College in South London yeah. as a French stonemason, and I used to stand squat with my brother up in um, uh, Chalk Farm. 
And so I knew the people at Slade, and I showed them my pictures. They wouldn't look at them, my drawings I was doing in the dockyard. So I just walked into St Martin's, took them in, they accepted me on foundation. Wow, there you go. So then I applied to get a grant, and because it was out of our region, I wasn't allowed to go, and they told me to go to my local college. And I said, well, they won't look at my work, because there's no qualifications. Yeah. They said they will now. If you can get accepted so much, you can be accepted anywhere. Wow. So then I, so I went up there and I told them I don't want to come here. And they said, well, you'll come here. And I was, uh, within the first week, I was expelled from 3D and <laughs> printmaking. Yeah. Then I was put on probation and deemed at the end of the year not to have completed the course. So they did that so I wouldn't be able to go to do a painting degree. Wow. So then I took, um, and I was really at Kirchwitz and Dada. So I took all my collages up to St Martin's, walked in there, went into the painting department and got in on, on the spot again. Yeah, yeah. And then I went up there and they were doing abstract expressionism in 78. And that was, uh, I didn't like any of it. And I was interested in, uh, it's really weird because I was interested in sort of like Van Gogh, Munk and Kirchwitz. So I made lots of collages. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah, liked this painting. So I walked out after court return in 78. And then I was still doing my music and things. And then Thatcher came in and I was uh, the, uh, trying to get off the dial. And I, obviously I've got no qualifications. So you applied again. So I applied to the So you didn't have to get a job. Yeah, and I applied in 1980 and got And that's the year I was on with Pete. Yeah. With Pete Doig. And he was my one friend. And he said, he, and I. Did he have a similar attitude to you? He liked uh, Why, why he did you chill with him? Uh, no. He liked paint, figurative painting, and he liked rock and roll. Okay. That's good so, enough reason, isn't um, it? So we went down the shop to look at Ch the Chuckberry Records and, yeah, things, and he'd heard the music, the Milchats groups I was in at the time, in 1980 or 81. And, um, and he, I also still ran small presses and things because I did this poetry, which oh. I started when I'd done my fanzines. So just Xerox magazine. Yeah, Hangman. Um, yeah, well, it, it, then it was called Thyroid and it just turned into Hangman around that period. And um, that was a very important thing because uh, Pete said to me, um, me and my mate Sexton Min wrote a lot of things about horses and things, but but we yeah, just mate mine. We about poetry. We wrote like silly songs about horses. And he said you should read this guy. He writes about horses, and he gave me a Charles Bukowski book. Yeah. And then that set me off because then I saw that thought, oh, you can write about all the things that happened to you. And then I went into John Fante, and then into yeah. Dostoevsky, and that's sort of like really when the writing sort of like. Turned into, up, yeah. Well, turned into being confessional, big confessional stuff, and stuff like novels around that type of thing. And how did you, was you able to sell that confessional stuff? Not was this a hard sell, wasn't no, it? No, but you still can't. Yeah. I mean, I still can't get published, you know, my novels. Yeah. No one wants to do them. Because they're, um, and it was, it, it was really, you know, there was a lot of opposition at the time. I mean, like, uh, um, after I was, I was expelled from St. Mark's and Martins for partially full writing confessional poetry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because so, I was getting it printed on the Xerox machine down at the art school down there. Oh, okay. And they complained to them. Oh. And I had no grant to go to school. And my father then went down for drug smuggling. Yeah. So we had no money. And I was spending time down there. And they, uh, they, they, I was expelled. And that is when I ran into Tracy. Because... All my paintings were in the bedstead place we lived, yeah. and Tracy knew someone who lived there, and she um, was doing fashion at Midway. So what was that, like mid-80s? No, 1981. Oh, got you. And she wanted to do painting. So she then left fashion course, and then she applied to um, masonry printmaking after a bit. Yeah. And then she ran the, uh, she did the, uh, my small press, my, you know, although she was really against what I wrote, she still... Oh, she didn't like it? Oh, no, she hated it. Oh, did she? She said it like shit. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, Trace said she... So she was... A, she did did she, did she sell it or something? Or? Yeah. She was, we turned her up in a performing bear costume, which was a, <laughs> a 50 swimsuit, which yeah. was still at her heels. Brilliant. And she'd go around the shops and sell all the... So she'd yeah. sell anything to anyone. Yeah. And my mum said that girl sell fridges to Eskimo. Good. Good. And um, you're dressed in a, in a bear suit with eye holes. Well, it? when it was bear suit, I mean, we couldn't perform in bear suit. It was a 50 swimsuit. But it was yeah, oh, got you. There's okay. some pictures of her on the back of some of the stuff with, with, with me that, with that on. 
And she, even though she was really, you know, what I wrote about us, and it was very graphic. And oh, about your relationship with your time, yeah. Got you. And that's, that's the sort of irony, because she was so against I, I didn't know I wasn't aware of And then she was really against, um, she was against swearing and everything. So it's all a bit funny. So it sounds like it's sort of your idea that she's run with them. Well, some people have pointed that out. Wow, I weren't aware of that. That's weird, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Well, we don't. You, well, I mean, you can mention that part, but this is off the record. Yeah. Is that she would, um, you know, like uh, that? That's what she didn't want people to know. Wow. Um, and also. Her confessional stuff, this is definitely off the record. Yeah, got it. Her confessional stuff is dubious about the truth of the yeah. writing. Yeah. Because I was sexually abused and wrote about this stuff. And Trace is someone who taught do anything to be centre stage. Yeah. And I never heard any anything about that at all till years and years later as it sort of developed. And I mean and also sort of like I think she believes some you're of the You're not the first one she to say she, that. She believes some of it, but it's not true. No, you're not the first one to say that, and this is obviously staying out as well. Yeah. A few people of that era who I've done stuff with, they've confided and said, like, you know, there's a lot of... Um, the, the edges have been gilded quite a lot around her, but she's, you know, she's doing it, she's running with it, and yeah, that's right. she's made it her own. Now it's become real, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's know? exactly, and she's like... Uh, I mean, I saw a thing with Tracy Updown. She said, like, they were saying, Tracy, anyone who's ever been an influence, a major influence there. She sort of mentioned Lee Baby Sunset, but said no one really. I mean, Tracy used to come around my house, throw stones at the window, copy all of my paintings, anything I was doing, and was totally 100% obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I used to not be, I wouldn't live with her, and she used to, like, just, she is the most intense. Yeah, even even a little bit I've known now. Yeah. She is fucking hard work. Yeah, and I wouldn't do it. This but, so anyway, yeah. That aside. That aside, <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's the way she is. But the uh, the the really ridiculous thing about it, because this is it's all. I mean, you can. You, I mean, it's all. All my stuff is published. Yeah. yeah. At the time, so you can't. Like so why did you keep on with the confessional stuff if it wasn't selling? Was it just because it was an escape getting it out of you and you needed to create it? I needed to do that or yeah. kill myself yeah. or start killing. Yeah. Same as painting or whatever. Yeah, yeah it was. It, I mean, I know it's... Until I start killing, I've just... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, I mean, it's really... Yeah. I mean, I was sexually abused on nine. I missed you up were. Night, yeah. And is that all right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's, that, that's all that. that. It's all, this is all the stuff that's on. That's why it's so funny because, as I say, like, again, off record, like, because Tracy knew this guy was writing about all these things. Yeah. And she never mentioned anything about anything like that. And she would do anything to take over the conversation and be sent at saying yeah. anything. She yeah. hadn't worked out that you could use that. Much. Yeah. Well. Mm. Oh. And what was that? Was that if, if that one dealt with you? Was that family? It was friends of the family. Yeah, genuinely. And how long did it take you to come to terms with it? Accepted it? I started first mentioning it in those nursery rhymes when I was 17. And then explicitly, when I said, once I'd done, when I was 21, I could explicitly talk about I found out that you could explicitly talk about your experience. And I learned that from, essentially, from Edwin Bukowski. Yeah. Well, that first thing is accepting it by taking ownership and yeah. and mentioning it. And then after that, it's, yeah, well, it's, I was, it's I was, easy after that. I and I was, I was alcoholic for, uh, until I was 33. And um, then I did seven years intense psychotherapy. And the interesting thing is, of course, is when I, the time that I gave up drink and everything I was doing was the time that... Um, the uh, Brit up thing was happening. Yeah, got you. So I was just doing all things about, per, you know, real personal truth and not drugs. Yeah. Not, I, I was dry for 18 years as well. Oh, well. Wow. I will drink a little bit now, but I sort of like totally, to, you know, it was, it was come up or da, die type yeah. thing. It yeah. was the second one from the writing 
But then I had the thing where my lifestyle was so wrecked that I had to do something completely radical or go down. You was talking about the, the rise of Brit Art, and you obviously famously um, were opposed to that type of art. Well, I thought Banker's Dada, you see. That's what I called it. Thought it was what, sorry? Banker's Dada. <laughs> And was your introduction to that via her? Um, yeah, yeah. Trace used to invite me along to some of the things, which I, well, I only went to three or four of them. I went to two or three of them. Not my sort of thing, you know, especially not drinking and not being up to the... Uh, and was you dry at that time? Yes, I'd already stopped. Yeah, well, that kind of helps, it? But the biggest party moment in that bit of art history... Well, the other thing is they're all so they're all that bit younger, you know. If you've got people who are four years younger... Oh, you, is that what they were? Oh, they're all, like, Trace is four years younger. Oh, OK. So, like, you know, I was... Trace was 18 and I was 21. We'd already make records. I was... Been yeah. in college, expelled from college. Toured around, so, like, you know, sort of like... Uh, no, far from a grown-up. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But you'd been out the, the college university system for a while. Well, also, I'd only had war with them when I was in it. So you said, like when Trace went to Royal College and things, and that is so like, to me, it's like, you know, you're in bed with the enemy already. <laughs> Which is interesting, you'll go and teach there again in two weeks. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What is it you're teaching? Painting, drawing, it'd be a, poetry? It'd be, a, what do you call it, a lecture on yeah. my work. Oh, OK. And I might do that. And what's, what's your, your lecture? Um, I don't know. I'll find it when I get there. I'll just talk about, be like, the way I do stuff is like what we're doing here. So I just get people asking me questions and I'll answer them. Yeah. So I've got nothing. I can, make, I can tell people stories and things yeah. that happened, but I've got nothing to, uh, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> nothing of substance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nothing at all. So then, the, I mean, we, we got to the, like the sensations time, or the, that um, Brit art part of the era of, of British art. Yeah. And then, so it, I know you've mentioned it a million times, but stuckism, how did that come about? Well, all that, that is a funny thing. One from one, I was in a group called Midway Poets, and that's when I did Hangman as well, that was my Hangman Poets and that. But anyway, the, um, that was in the late, sev late 70s. And um, uh, I was always at war with Charles Thompson and people within that group. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, because I would, you know, basically take the mick too much. And I was sort of like, I was, they tried to ban me for he tried to have me banned from readings when he did the TV thing and they bounced on the door to keep me out. Oh, okay. I met him years later, and I'd written this, he'd been following my poetry, and I wrote this poem about, I'd written this poem where I used to go up to town, and when Trace was on the uh, dole or whatever, I used to sort of give, lend her money, or well, give her money, give yeah. her some of my dull money, or five times some records, I'd give her 20 quid. And she, because uh, she was in real hard times at that time, and um, then the... Once the uh, Brit art thing kicked off a bit, she used to try and get me to go along to those things, which I didn't want There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. His friends 
and yeah, yeah. split up for 10 years or whatever, or seven years, I don't know. And she tried to get me along to her because I didn't really want to. And one night she said to me, um, I, I called her from the Victoria Station and she, I said, I'm heading, because she wanted to meet up. And I said, no, I'm going home. She said, well, my friend is going on stage tonight with nose stuffed full of cocaine. And I said, so, well, that's another reason I'm not going. And she said, she, she, and she said, your problem is you're stuck. She said, you're stuck, stuck. You do that stupid painting, write those idiotic poems, and you're just stuck. You, you, you know, I don't tolerate people who don't fulfil their potential, all this sort of stuff. Oh, right. I said, fine, okay. So, obviously, that just goes straight into a poem. <laughs> so I just wrote this, uh, the, you know, you're stuck, 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 still doing those each other. Just do a talking to me. And Charles had seen this, and in the meantime, like, so, so this was published quite a lot before, but in the meantime, that, um, it, that was probably written in the 80s, that poem. Or, oh, or, okay. Or maybe the very, no, probably very early 90s. Yeah, yeah. And then before Trace... Yeah. Had her um, got nominated for Turner or whatever. And then Charles, and I was trying to promote some local people who did painting, trying to put their exhibitions on. And uh, Charles, I met him in London, Leicester Square, just outside the cinema, Charles Thompson. And he said, I want to form a group, because I was already did this thing, the Bureau, Hangman Bureau of Inquiry, yeah. writing manifestos against um, Brit Art. Yeah. And he said, I want to form a group, and I want to call it Stuckists. And based on that poem you've written, he said, would you be in it? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, right, well, you need sort of trial drawing with that. And he said, right, I'm putting it. Uh, I said, we should write manifestos. So I showed him yeah, my manifesto. Yeah. I said, we'll work on that. And he said, right, I'm going to organise an exhibition. And I said, fine. So he organised this exhibition in East London. And I went along. And I hated all of it. And I said, I'm leaving. I can't be in this group. <laughs> and Charles said, uh, can you pretend to be in it for the next year? And I said, I suppose so. Yeah. And of course, it sticks stuck. Because like, I mean, I never went to one demonstration. I never did. Oh, OK. Yeah, never. Not interested in any of that stuff. And I didn't like the work. And I mean, like, I'd press people up with Charles and people trying to get me to give Tracy's information and phone and all that, which I refused to yeah. do. Well... So I wouldn't. So that was there's, it. Really. There's a certain irony that it goes back to oh, back to her. Well, I hated it as well. So we're we we we're in full agreement. We're stuck in <laughs> yeah. that one. Oh, is, is that right? You paint sometimes four or five in a day. I used to. I could do this. I could do this in a day if I what's, concentrated. What's, this one is what six by ten. Yeah. Feet. If it goes all right, I can do one of these in a couple of hours. But, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing. That's what helps. Well, when I when I walked in an hour ago, there was just um, a drawn figure. Yeah. Well, that that and I was only in half hour before you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got and, and the drawn figure is just. Shorter than than life size. I'm not probably used to this because he's squatting. He probably is life size. Yeah, he could be, couldn't he? Yeah. He could be. Is there um is there an artwork that you've created that stands out, be it emotionally or? Yes, I did one self-portrait of a nervous break, bad nervous breakdown about three or four years ago. Oh really? Okay. And I did a portrait that week, which I liked. <laughs> so it crossed the threshold of light. Yes, like um, <laughs> and I did one. I did one painting in the New York show that I liked as well. But you, you, there's obviously ones that that work better or, or mean a little something or yeah, told you a story as you was creating them sort of thing. Well, I only paint to find out what they're what I'm going to paint yeah, really. Yeah. So like with this one, I did I did a big series of these recently of these. Um, sort of Australian Aboriginal figures and I realised that um, afterwards I realised what they sort of were was sort of like, you know this sort of like this search for God and all the joining of heaven and earth yeah. which I think is what life's for so this one is like this is unusual in the sense I might know roughly what it's about as I'm doing it 
but only because I did six of them before and I found out by doing yeah. them that that's yeah. what they're probably about. Yeah. I mean, these I don't know what, you know, I was looking at this, did this last week, these two walls, and I think, like, I was wondering what that was about. And I thought, like, I always wonder if the trees are people, and I always wonder if the walls are people as well. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, and like, who, like, I mean, is that, these are two workers, but are they, is it sort of like, I mean, they, everything's a self portrait in the end. Like, yeah. I suppose even every well, I thought that when I, when I looked at the guy on the right. Yeah, yeah. I wondered that, but it's it wasn't the idea. So yeah. this one that we're talking about, I'll take a photograph of it actually. So it's a, a, a portrait of two farmers, or two, yeah, farm workers. What, yeah, labourers, yeah. Sat side by side. Which is, again isn't just Single in hand. That's another thing I've got, it's because my family are farm labourers. Oh, are they? Yeah. So where did this, did you paint from a drawing? No, I worked from things I find. See this here, I'm trying to use that. Yeah, I, I, you're holding a, a picture of two Aborigine figures fighting, playing, with yeah. a lake in the background. Yeah, and I'm using the lake a bit. Yeah, or a part of the lake. Yeah, part of the lake. It's almost an imaginary yes. well, they're depiction dream, of it. Well, they're, the whole thing's a sort of dreamscape, I presume. Are you alright with me taking photos of these ones, Billy? Sure, yeah. It'd be a good line to have colour on it. So you spent a couple of hours drawing this canvas out? Possibly. How long is the painting? Of it depends. Well, everything depends on how easy things are working. You know, if, if the gods are kind, everything goes <laughs> yeah. easy. And sometimes I could still be trying to draw this figure. Well, it does it help that you're not painting within a, a structured idea. Yeah. So you're giving yourself a lot of mental freedom to, yeah. to make mistakes or use your mistakes or what have you. Yeah. And how, how many days are you in the studio? One. Oh, is it one? Okay. Yeah, because otherwise I paint too much. A question that I ask each guest, Billy... Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, past or present, yeah. what would your ideal group show be? Very well, I'd, I'd have to just go. It would be a very weird show, I'd imagine, <laughs> because I like, you know, because I'd just go for. It wouldn't be very well. It wouldn't be like a professional curation job. That's quite right. It'd be bang straight up the wall. I'd have. Um, Well, I'd be in with all my mates, with uh, Van Gogh, Monk Delacroix. Um, I might have a Holbein in there. I like a bit nice. of Holbein. Um, is there anyone else I like? Do you know any other painters I like, honey? Kurt, yeah, we'd have to have some Kurt Schwitters. Maybe, we could even probably have a Schmidt Rutler, couldn't we? A good early one. See, these, these paintings could be today or yesteryear, couldn't they? It's, yes, they, they, they sit everywhere. That's, you've got it, exactly. And that's what we tried to do with the music as well. Here's the thing, like with people, I knew people who were friends with Damien who were um, uh, doing this thing called the Idler magazine. And they really liked Damien's stuff. And they did something with him when he was down there, down in, in the early days, down in um, Devon. And they said, like, so well, the thing with Damien's is, you know, it shows us uh, who, who, you know, it's a reflection of who we are. I said, who needs that? They <laughs> want yeah. a reflection of who you could be or become. Yeah, yeah. They also want the thing to be any time. And, and it, that's a really interesting stuff because I saw that one of the titles of one of these is The Everyman. Which oh, is, nice. Which I is like what, an Aboriginal term for the, um, the dream time. Okay. The other translation for it is The Everyman. Isn't that a brilliant name? Yeah, the yeah. Everyman. Very much. Yeah. So you, you, you're sort of like you're, 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 you know, you're picking up something there that's that's hopefully embodied. Because that's the other thing. You would think that in in truth, you would you would expect that um, truth wants to be known and will be found out. 
We will in the end normally. Yeah, although sometimes it gets a bit shaded along the way, doesn't it? Yeah, but when you depends whose truth you're fucking listening to. I know, to, but I mean, once you get the history thing, that's why I don't care too much about these people knowing all the facts of yeah, what yeah, went yeah. down. Because you watch something like uh, in in the Egyptian times, they had pharaohs and things, and they'd like some say, right, that guy didn't exist. Want every single record destroyed, all the statues taken out. Everything's gone. Yeah. And they still know about it. Yeah, yeah. And you think, oh, interesting. Yeah. So the cassette says, can they do what you like, mate? The, the thing will come. And it, who knows, will it be next week? Yeah. Will it be, well, it's, it's the same. Or will it be everywhere? It's the, exactly. It's the same in law, isn't it? You know, they always do these cover-ups and what have you. And then just in time, it just can't stay fucking buried forever. It's weird, isn't it? The truth wants to be out. Yeah. Which is really nice thing because it does make you feel that like there's a spiritual element in like a, a sort of yin and yang coming gonna, about. Going to yeah. try and sort of like move towards whole, wholeness and truth, which yeah. is what every, which is what everything's trying, and this is everything's trying to do. And even the people who get it wrong are only trying to do that. I mean, mm. like when you fucked up doing your thing, you thought if I do this, this, and this, this will, I'll get this result, and, it, and I'll be, I'll be okay. Yeah. But because the only thing that drives people where the mistakes happen and like even with Trump and Italy and all those people is because they think that their action is going to bring out the balance that will make them feel right. Yeah. They're, not, they're too stupid and they won't. <laughs> yeah. And of course we're all pretty stupid. Of course. And we, the idea is we're supposed to get less, as less stupid as possible. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever left these as charcoal drawings? Once or twice I do because I usually ruin them when I paint them. Trouble <laughs> <laughs> right. is, if you don't paint it, you sort like you feel cheated because you you know you got all your guns out. You're thinking, now I'm gonna have the fun. Yeah. Yeah. The well, because this is a fucking gorgeous drawing at the moment. Talking yeah. about that stuff, because I just did this big show in New York, and I had um, six or seven of these, and I had these other spirit guardians that I wanted in it. And really interestingly, we go in New York, which is only shown because someone, like because of the race thing in New York, like if they got one person who had a problem with a white guy painting an Aboriginal, and you sort of think, and you know, and I think it's so pathetic because you sort of think, well, one thing is celebrating. The other thing is, why be upset on behalf of someone else? Yeah, and, if there is an the and if there is an Aboriginal who's got a problem with it, he's welcome to and can talk to him yeah. about it. Yeah. Because you sh you're taking away his right to be annoyed. Yeah. I mean, he's got a right to say, what's that about? I don't like you deal with that. I said, yeah. well, sorry, mate, this is what I feel about it. We can agree or disagree. Yeah. I can't put my case. But the, the idea that you edit the world. And is that where these are going? No, no, that's done the New York show. This is, this is, this, I don't paint anything for anywhere. So I'm just painting. Good. They're definitely done. There's definitely no one asking for this. <laughs> no yeah. one asked for that. No one asked for that. They have got a bit of a ge Germanic sense to them, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, they're definitely North, they're definitely Northern European, not yeah. Southern, isn't they? I mean, like, even without the people, even yeah. like, like this, this view here with the walls. Well, also, I did a lot of um, North Pacific Northwest just now, which is where I met my wife. My wife's um, Oh, well, is it? Yes, okay. I did a lot of the Pacific Northwest. Do you ever go over the border that you've created? I actually sometimes do not paint with a border. Oh, okay. Very unusual. I'm a very obedient boy. You stick by your own rules. I don't know, this is what's really weird because I don't have any problem with um, that Brit art thing or their success or who thinks anyone's good. But I do have a problem with not being allowed to say things or the fact that it's, um, or that there's no dialogue about yeah, what is. It's presumed contrary before you've even said it. Yeah, because what's, or, or there's a problem, you've got a problem. I don't care, you know. I'm. Happy for anyone yeah. doing what they like. I mean, how was you with Peter's success when he got it? Because he's just like blew up, didn't he? he yeah. Was the, well, didn't he have the 
highest selling yeah, of any living artist. Yeah, which highly embarrassed him. With Pete, I sort of like, I'm sort of proud of Pete. He's my mate, I like it. But I, and I also thought that the work was okay. Um, when I saw Pete, just to, just yeah. to destroy it, like, just before, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, just before he had the um, success thing, I think it must be just before he had that, sub, uh, won that prize, the Walker Prize at Bristol. Yeah. And I met him up in town at the studio, the other studio somewhere, and I went down there. I went and I said, fucking hell, Pete, you look like a fucking shooter. <laughs> and he said, he said, I am. <laughs> and then um, and then next time you had to show it at White Chapel, which was a big turning point, yeah. he invited me to that. And I don't go to many things, so I went on to that. <laughs> yeah. And he said, and he said this some, we were chatting, and there's these two tutors there from St. Martin's. I said, he said, oh, this is brilliant. He was at St. Martin's and he says, well, I said, so we don't remember you. <laughs> he said, he said, no. I said, no, well, I was expelled. And he said, why is that? I said, because I'm a cunt. <laughs> and, then, um, and, then, and then there's this like, dreadful sound. And I said, to, I said to Pete, maybe I should go. Said, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't help myself. I just, it's one of the most descriptive words out there, isn't it? Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Is that a, a usual colour to, yeah. to paint with. I can see that coming yeah, I'm through. A, I'm, dead, I'm dead lazy. So, oh yeah, there's an interesting thing. You said about wanting to be a painter. So the first old paintings I started making was when I was 12. Because my dad painted and he left home and he left all of his stuff there. Oh, did he? And my brother painted. So then we just went, used all of his, <laughs> as my father called it, he used to come home, my mother never divorced him, he used to come home and rip the electricity out of his desk and he said, oh, we're, said we were abusing his facilities. <laughs> well, it sounds like your brother was your biggest influence from what you said. I think so, probably. My brother always hated me and he still does, I think. <laughs> Is well, he still painting? Yeah, yeah, he still paints. But I think that, like, because I was sort of like, um, I didn't obey any of the rules and I've done all right. And he was very obedient and really wanted um, our father's approval and did everything correct and was a star student at art school and all of that. Do you think he resents your success if you called it that? Yes, yeah, he does. And my father. They're both very jealous people. They don't celebrate family achievement finally. I was talking to Huddy and I said to him like uh, one time, well, if I... Um, Talking about when I get my one-man show at the uh, Tate, I said, well, maybe it would be me who gets the, uh, one, the one-man show at the Tate. Yeah. I said, I couldn't be happier if it was that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really surprised me because he said that, and that was my ex instantaneous Natural, yeah. feeling. And then I thought, So coming from the heart rather yeah. than the brain. And, and yeah. I thought, I thought well, how weird my family are to that, their attitude, yeah. because, you know, and it's very warming when you notice that that's your, you know, you surprise yourself. What do you reckon you'd like to be if you weren't an artist? Well, the only thing I've ever thought of, I know that my great-grandfather was a, a, road, a council road sweeper for a while, and I thought that, I've always thought that maybe I could handle something like that. If I was of a calm disposition, I'd like to do something like, something quite a menial and it's like gardening or something yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not I don't think I'm cut out for it but you know I don't um I couldn't do a job though it's that with me the only thing that got me going when I was a kid got me through my childhood was um Peter Cook Dudley Moore and making pictures when Steve was here earlier you mentioned um Winky Wanky Woo, and yeah. I, I knew that from Derek and Clive. And that's interesting because you said, but you got that poster as well, you know, because of course I did that rude poster for Melton White. I think one was bloody brilliant. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not taking the piss out there, I'm taking the piss out the other time. I, I figured that, yeah. So with the poster you're talking about is it was Gilbert and George as Morecambe and Wise, or vice versa. Yeah, well, basically, it said it's like, like Morecambe and Wise, but with better jokes. Yeah, yeah, and I liked it, and hence me buying it. Well, it's fun, isn't it? That's what I think. What have you got coming up, Billy? Well, we've got that show running in New York for another couple of weeks. Well, bearing in mind, this probably won't be out until the start of January, really, I think. Um, we, might be, we might possibly play a show with, with the group in London, which we very rarely do. We got, we've always got stuff. We've got a new 
Um, we got a new. Are you doing anything with Steve, like L13? Yeah, we've got this coming out. We've, I've done a woodcut version of this. This is for the last. Uh, this is hell. That's, that's a gorgeous one, isn't it? We've done, we done one volume already, and we've got a third one coming, which is even bigger. And this is like, if you open it up, you can have that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, thank it's, you. It's got. Um, it's got um, wow, that's gorgeous. I don't want to open it up in here if you don't mind me. Yeah, but that is. You'll like, get covered in that's oil. That's going to be about three or four years' work. Wow. And then we've done one earlier one, we've got another one coming up, which is nearly twice the size. Oh, yeah, and I paint with Edgeworth over here as well. We need Edgeworth paint together. So I asked him if he wanted to come down and do some pictures. So Edward came down. They were, um, they were quite small on little cans, weren't they? So why don't you do them off cardboard? Do big cardboard. Oh, I love it on cardboard. So I, really I said that'd be an easy way to loosen them up. And he started one and I said, Yeah, I said, Can I show you something? He said, Yeah, sure. And I said, Why don't you do that? And he goes, Yeah, great. And then we realised that neither of us cared if we ruined each other's work. Nice. So what it was is we sort of just fell in painting together. Yeah. And it's real good because it's like it's hard to pick I do it with Steve sometimes, but Steve's and my, me Steve's ego and my ego, they'll clash. Oh, like, yeah. But me and Edward, it's sort of like I do something, go right and I'll say to Edward, oh, we'll keep that there. Yeah, and it works, it works and works and then and Edward's super easy going, you know, if I do something, he says, Yeah, that's good enough, they get my shit down, yeah, maybe. So we're too pretty. And how are you with if with that being reversed, if Edgeworth wanted to go over yours. Is that cool? Yes, it does. We do do that. Well, it's usually, I, I would say well, it's like lead singer. So what would happen is I would probably say, it's more likely I'll tell you that I think it's no good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I said, I don't think that's any good to you, Edgeworth. And he said, I said, I'll just get rid of it. I said, can you do something to that? Because I can't do that. That's, you do yeah, something. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it really is like old, sort of like, um, Edward gives me all the all the room and does a lot of the work. So it's so on them on them um, collaborative ones. What goes on the bottom right hand corner? Is is it a collaborative work or is there a name for that collaboration? There is a collaboration. It's called Heckler's Horse. Nice, nice. But that's just me. And Edward. But all, all three of you, they, they just sit so well together, don't they? Mm. I think so. Yeah. I it's suppose. Great in we stand. I can see that. I think you're in that situation as well because it's probably really unusual to like when people come to the studio, they've never been to like this sort of like an idea of what an art studio might be like with in, a, in a, your imagination. Yeah. Not, you know, it wouldn't exist anymore. Because yeah. we used to have other people working here as well, people coming to learn to do stuff. Yeah, so people would attach themselves to me and want to come and learn how I do it and I give them feedback or teach them a bit. But they usually sort of like those types. They usually sort of like uh, they want to they want to take the thing and monetize it. And I sort of say to them, say, this is lifetime, not three months, yeah. or three years. This is a lifetime question. I said, well, you've got a life in your bed on your deathbed, and so I did it the way I wanted, not the way they yeah. wanted. 
Well, that is unfortunately what goes on and they don't realise it. They don't see it in themselves and it is annoying. But unfortunately, they say, yeah, people have got, they've got sort of like mediocre minds is the way I see it. Yeah. You know, because they really think that it's, uh, they think it's a game about winning. And this is what's really funny about like um, when we're talking about the art world and that, because it's all, all about winning. I try and write a little poem this morning. I just, uh, thin, it's like, it's just a, and uh, an artist in gallery is like a pet being trained with a carrot. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel being a part of a couple of galleries? Well, they're very. I'm really lucky because what happened was is I got asked to do what I do because I did it for 30 years and that's why I got invited in. Yeah. So what happened was is, I mean, I still get a little bit annoyed if they sort of say, "Have you got any more of them?" Yeah. Yeah. And that gets on my nerves a bit. I think it's a sweetie shot. That does get my tits, but I don't so, do anything. To... As a wild guess, could I, could I guess that you haven't turned any into NFTs? Yes, yeah, just it's called a token. <laughs> yeah, the tokenism. I've heard of it. Um, well, Damien just done a shitload of paintings on paper, and you could either buy the physical one or the NFT version. Did he actually make them? Yeah. He really made them? Yeah, and then what he done just uh, maybe a month ago, that all the ones where people bought the NFT, he burnt the physical one. Alright. So in his gallery he had It a, saves us the job, doesn't it? Yeah. So in his gallery he had a couple of sort of furnaces going and he would just lift up the glass and throw... Well, you, see, you saw that pin we did in... Um, when we did the Art Hate, like there was Steve in the post, we did a big thing called Art Hate. And we had bring back the smokestack and it was sort of organising for burning a tape of the public writing each week and nominate pieces of art to be destroyed nice. in the furnace. But that was like 10 or 15 years ago. And then we did a thing where I did a book, which we did a penguin. I did a novel, which was a penguin. I know, collected poetry. Collected poetry of Kent, a ripoff of a penguin. And they told us that they wanted it, um, they said they had to be destroyed sent to them and they said we didn't trust them not to resell them so we'll burn them. <laughs> and then we did we all had the book burning brilliant and then we did a poster uh, we're still using their symbols and then we did a with uh, the picture of the Nazi book burning I was going to say with, that, with, yeah. with saying that and then I happened to be on Radio 3 that week on Woman's Hour or something and she asked what's going on I said well I've been asked to organise a book burning <laughs> by a penguin book <coughs> brilliant so, so we really brilliant we really rubbed Turn it around yeah superb but you know that house was done in a big bonfire in the in the film. It was a film of it, and they're yeah. all being loaded into one of those um, dustbins with the chimney on it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Loading yeah. the books in, and Brilliant. I saw Damien's face like a little clapping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's fucking perfect. Well, he put he had a, he even had a silver suit on. Didn't yeah, that's so. so I, I feel so bad for that. I mean, he's doing he's doing all right out of it, though. You got to say. Yeah, yeah, so what? I mean, he's doing all right out of it. I mean. Well, a lie. I mean, I've, yeah, as I say, he's a, he's a, I mean, he's like Elon Musk, isn't he? If you like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you envy that? You just sort of think, well, I'm glad it's not me. When I was in the Stuckies, we had a uh, fellow who did um, neo-cubism. I said, well, it's all fine by me. I'm just glad I don't have to do it. <laughs> so if you're in here one day a week, what's the other six consist of? Well, I do a lot of work on myself, like... I do um, record, I make lots of records. We made 21 albums during the lockdown. Fucking hell. And they all got to come out in vinyl. Because we do everything on record. So that takes up a bit of time. I'm not too much time, I'm quite quick. I'm working on my writing every morning. I've been working on a novel for the last 12 years. Another novel that no one wants. <laughs> and if anyone wants to see what you're doing, Billy, where can they? Well, See what you're doing, be it on a uh, website or social media. Um, does Huddy put some, a little bit up on Twitter? Is it Twitter, Huddy? Instagram. Instagram. And um, Steve, uh, Alpha Team have stuff. Lima Morpin have a web page with the new New York gallery on it. I mean, the new New York exhibition. Carl Friedman have some stuff up, but my major gallery, Neugorn Schneider, don't do... Well, they don't. They don't have anything up. They don't do any of that. And they're the, they're the big boys. 
they, 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 they don't, they, they, they find that bit too vulgar, I think. Is that what it is? Well, that's pretty much all my, uh, my set questions asked, Billy. Good. Well, whatever you want, I don't mind. Thank you, mate. I appreciate your time you've given. And uh, I hope I've not got in your way too much. Not at all. You can ask more if you want. I don't mind. I um, yeah, just end up forgetting that I'm recording and yeah, walk 20 feet away from the mic. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a problem, isn't it? This, it's been beautiful to watch this take transformation, though, from a... Uh, well, you're welcome to stay. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.